All right, Justin, sing me a song about hating something you used to like. Hmm. Or uh, just not counting on something you used to like. Or just as simple as not liking something you used to like. Uh, since you've been gone, <laughs> I can't breathe for the first time. I'm still moving on. Yeah, yeah. Thanks to you. Now I get, I get what I want. Since you've been gone, dun, 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 dun. since you've been gone, dun, 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 dun. since you've been gone. Nice. Don't get me wrong. I, I love a good Kelly tune as much as anybody, but uh, I don't know what the fuck that had to do with what I asked, but okay, cool. I was thinking you'd do like, why do you build me up just to let me down? Hmm. That would be good, huh? Yeah. Why do you build me up, build, build me, me up, Buttercup, baby, just to let me down, let, let me, me down. down, mess me around, and then worst of all, worst of all, you never call, baby, when you say you will, yeah, you will. But I love you still. I need you, I need you more than anything, darling. You know that I have from the start. So build me up, build me up, buttercup. Don't break my heart. Yeah, that was a better option. Right, that's pretty good. What the fuck just happened? <laughs> I instantly re- regret all these decisions. <laughs> Is it because our voices are so velvety and amazing? And bad. I just, oh God, I hate myself right now for allowing any of that to happen. <laughs> Let's start the episode. See, this is why we don't. <laughs> <laughs> I did that intentionally. You jerk. Mean. Go ahead, what were you saying? I was going to say, this is why I don't sing, because you say that you regret it after, so... Yeah. Now it'll only be Justin. No, it has nothing to do with y'all's voices as much (laughs) as it has everything to do with y'all sitting here, like, bobbing around stupidly, singing that fucking song shit. I liked it. I like how she was the... Uh, it was your, your backup. Yeah, the backup. I didn't like any of that. Like I said, and I'm always down for a Kelly tune. And uh, thanks for ruining Kelly Clarkson for me. If Kelly had been here bobbing around, would you be okay with that? You fuck yeah. <laughs> she can do whatever she wants. And I love all of it. But, hey, Cinema fans. And welcome back to another episode of the Cinema Slayers podcast. We are going to do um, an episode kind of like of your where we're going to be talking about uh, just a topic and not a, a movie specifically. Um, we are going to be talking about um, actors and uh, directors and things like that, like people in movies or the, who make movies that we used to really like or like really count on, who we don't really anymore. And I don't necessarily mean on a personal level or anything like that, like, oh, I really like this actor, and then he was a jerk, and I no longer like him. No, no, I'm talking about, like, their work and stuff like that. Like, people whose movies used to be like, oh, they're making this movie, I'm going to go watch it. And then now you're like, no, I could not. Or maybe they need to go away, or just take a break or something. So uh, starting us off, Heather, what's your first example? Yeah, I have a a couple of them. Um, My first one that I'm going to say, I'm going to have to go with Mel Gibson, because... He used to be amazing. Like, I used to always look forward to his movies. For me. For amazing. me, he was. I, I thought so. I, I loved, like, even in the first Lethal Weapon movie, I think that might be the first thing I ever saw him in. And I thought he was so good. Like, you see that, like, desperation when he, like, wants to kill himself. That was the first one, right? Yeah. And then he doesn't, but you just see you just that struggle he's having. He was so good in that. And even, I mean, I liked him in all the Lethal Weapon movies, but 
Um, and then in Braveheart, like he just he's he was very solid in um in in a lot of his older work. Like he was just very I could depend on him to make or at least do a good performance. Maybe not a good movie, but a good performance at least. So um that's definitely mine for me. And I'm trying to think like I don't know when the turning point was. Like I know at one point he just kind of went crazy. So that might have been, but... Um, oh, no, he definitely did go crazy. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, even that movie, Ransom, I loved that movie, where they kidnapped his son. Like, that was a good movie. Um, I want to say, I mean, definitely What Women Want is kind of a little downhill for him. I think that's when it started getting there. I actually remember liking that movie. Oh, you liked it? I remember liking it. I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> Or anything like that, but... Actually, to be fair, no, that was actually... He did some other ones after that. Like, he was good in The Patriot. I loved him in that. And We Were Soldiers and Signs. He was really good in Signs. And I actually think it might have been after Signs is when he started not doing a lot of great stuff. Well, I think part of that was the fact that, like, he did go asshole crazy. Yeah, so he probably, like, took a break. Kind of didn't do as much. So then nobody gave him roles. Mm -hmm. And then... So now anything he does is just utter, like, shitty and, like, awful. And right. it's because it's the only things he's able to actually get. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can yeah. see that. Yeah, because, I mean, and you look at his film credits in the past couple of years, and there's just, like, nothing worth watching that he's done lately. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's unfortunate, too, because I really, I thought he was, he was one of my favorites back in the day. Like, I thought his performances were always really solid and really good. So, and, and I know you said it's not necessarily personal reasons we don't like them, but I think because he did have that crazy stint, that's what made him not do good movies anymore, like we were saying. So, <laughs> I, unfortunately, Mel Gibson is, it, that's a, it's a sad loss because he, he did some great movies. No, I mean, I, def- I definitely think that that fits with what we're talking about and stuff. Because, yeah, regardless of whatever reason is why, like... Yeah. Yeah, he's just, he's made shitty movies lately. You can't count on it. And he, they are trying to do a comeback with him, you know, with that daddy's home two or whatever, where he plays uh, Will Ferrell, or no, Mark, Mark Wahlberg's dad. Yeah. Stuff like that. They're trying to bring him back, but they're just not going to give him the roles in which to do it. I think he kind of probably should have just stayed behind the scenes and directed movies. Yeah, because yeah. he's a great director, too. I mean, yeah. the few I remember him doing, but yeah. Well, he directed, what, Braveheart and um, Passions of the Christ and Apocalypto. Hacksaw Ridge, which yes. was the last recent movie I remember mm-hmm. where he was in the director's chair and he was good. And, and yeah, I totally get what you're, where you're coming from because Mel Gibson, for me, he was like that. I mean, for me, he was pretty much like that, 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 that typical like tough guy. I always kind of looked at him as kind of like he was a. I thought he was a good tough guy. I thought he was a good badass, yeah. uh, lethal weapon. As far as like the odd couple mm-hmm. cop yeah. action movies, that's one of my favorites. Me too. And him as Riggs, Officer Riggs. That I thought that was a great character. Like this mm-hmm. man that lost his wife and like. So he kind of had this itchy trigger finger. He was this loose cannon. I, I liked it. That was like one of the first movies like that where I thought the backstory of the character yeah. really helped the character. So, yeah. I li- so I got why he was the way he was. I got why he kind of came off as a bit of a dick and a loose cannon and stuff. And 
then did the contrast with Danny Glover being kind of this family man, but so they were an odd couple, but in a way he kind of understood Riggs, like, because mm-hmm. he understood what he lost because he kind of had some of those things. So I like that dynamic, and they mm-hmm. and he was so good in that. And I mean, but yeah, once he um, got behind the director's chair, I think that's when my my interest in him kind of came back because I really liked Apocalypto. Mm-hmm. I really liked. No, Apocalypto uh, is great. Yeah, Passions yeah. of the Christ sucks so bad. <laughs> no, and I'm I'm strictly talking from a movie point of view because it's it's one gigantically long torture porn. It's it's the movie Hostel with just throwing Jesus in it and saying it's accurate. That like, crucifixion was man brutal. That was, that was well, pretty I get brutal. It I get it, but I think it should well, that's, be. That's the whole point of doing the passion of the Christ is mm-hmm. that's a, a retelling of the crucifixion of Jesus. The problem is they took liber- liberties with other aspects of it, like the whole devil baby <laughs> that's randomly in it. So you've got a, a devil baby randomly in it and all this other stuff. But the thing is that bothered me with it, because like I said, it was supposed to show the brutality of the crucifixion and everything like that. But it really felt like it lingered on some shots that were unnecessary and weird to linger mm-hmm. on, you know, and then, like, when he, they're walking and he, dro- like, what, drops the crucifixion three times and stuff like that. And then every one of them was an excuse to do a flashback was incredibly bothersome. Like, it's just, there are filmmaking problems in that movie. And like I said, it's, I understand the part of doing it as a, pa- like, the doing a passion play as a movie and all this other stuff. But it really feels like a lot of it was inaccurate to what, because the actual crucifixion isn't actually described much in the Bible. So you have to go based on what Romans did and stuff like that. And a lot of the extra stuff they added to it makes no sense within the context of what Romans did. Some of it I do know was true, but like a lot of that defeated the purpose of why the Romans crucified people, you know. And so it felt like they were just saying things just and to say they were authentic and all this other stuff. When to me, like I said, it just felt like an excuse for most of the movie. Like I said, I'm not here to debate the theology of it. I'm just saying on a, and on what they were marketing the movie as, and from a movie like st- standpoint and stuff like that, severely overrated. Yeah, I mean, with that movie, it's um, I only saw it once when I was in high school because it's a hard movie to watch. Like, Has anyone seen it more than once? I don't know. <laughs> I know people that own it, but I don't know yeah. if they've watched it. Oh, I'm sure people yeah. have owned it and all this yeah. other stuff, but I'm like, has anybody legitimately right. watched that movie more than once? It's it's one of those where I wanted to watch it because, you know, based on my faith and everything, I'm like, I want to understand the perspective of this is what Jesus went through and all that. But it's a really hard watch because it is a lot of, like, torture and, you, you know, all that. So, um it's a hard watch, but I didn't mind the movie um, for what it was, but also I saw it once in high school, so I haven't seen it since. So I don't remember a lot of the details in that aspect like you do. Um, but even just in general, like he, I, I don't know. I, I'm really just disappointed in his, how he, his work these days. Just in general. I mean, and he's like, you know how people talk about like the man cry that people do? <laughs> like when somebody's like Will Smith is an excellent example of someone who like does a really good cry when he's in a movie. Mel Gibson, I think, was great at that too. He did a very convincing, believable, like 
cry when he was crying in movies. And I loved that about him. And like, I don't know, just everything about what he did was so believable to me. And now you're, yeah, like, and even that daddy's home too. I watched that. His character in it is a garbage character, but he's like, he plays it fine because he's just playing a douchebag dad who doesn't actually care about his kid. But, you know, you just like, that's the only types of roles that he can get now. Like you were saying, like, it's just not anything noteworthy at all anymore. So, and it's a shame because he really like classic movies that he's a part of and that he's known for. And just these days now, it's just like his career just ended pretty much. So, and it's amazing. And I don't know, that might be one of the kind of earliest examples of where I can remember an actor saying something like that. Mm -hmm. And then it just causing a backlash, somebody that high and considered that, I mean, because he was one of the biggest stars. He's A-list. Yeah, yeah, he was A-list, you know, and then to have that happen, it get out mm-hmm. and the way it changed his reputation. And even though in a sense he came back with those directorial movies, it mm-hmm. just never was the same for him as yeah. far as being in pictures and even like at award shows and stuff, you know, the hosts, usually there's a, they'll crack a joke at Mel Gibson or when he's coming up to present, mm-hmm. they might say something a little like, and it's funny because then he just kind of ignores it. Like he doesn't jab back or say anything. He just kind of steps up there and just presents. Like you, you can tell like mm-hmm. it, you know, you, you can tell it was a, I'm sure he regrets that. <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Or maybe he doesn't. Who knows? Yeah, he might be like, yeah, hey, it's just me. Right. But uh, yeah. I just I would like to imagine that that had to have just he has to understand just how regrettable that was. And, yeah, you're right. I don't think he ever mm-hmm. recover from that. And I definitely don't see him the way I used to, because, yeah, you're right. I used to be like, oh, Mel Gibson is in this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like he was I, I knew if I was watching a Mel Gibson movie, it was going to be good. And now not so much, you know, mm-hmm. and that's true. That's true. So then, Justin, do you have an example? What is one of these people for you? Well, you mentioned Will Smith as a good crier, and uh, he and he definitely is that. But for me, I have similar feelings towards Will Smith. Like I think before when it came to Will Smith, and it has nothing to do with his acting ability or anything like that. Um, it's I feel like. It's not even so much his acting ability. I still think that Will Smith is talented. So I don't want anybody to get me wrong. I'm not one of those. The, the, this, this is not a black person attacking another black person, <laughs> Uncle Tomming sort of gimmick. That's not what this is. All I'm saying is this, though. Like, I still respect his acting ability. As a matter of fact, you could argue that I respect his ability so much. Mm-hmm. And he's such a reputable actor to me. That when I see him in these films that feel honestly beneath him, Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like, man, what are you doing? And and I know that some of that, there are reasons for that. I know that he has commented before that he's taking different roles and stuff because he does have kids now who can watch him and see him and different things like that. And I know that his mentality about his role choices and stuff changed once his kids got a little older and that's not, and that's typical. I mean, there are a lot of actors and actresses that say that, you know, I'm not going to do 
the same kind of stuff. You know, I don't want to be straddled naked in a scene or whatever. And then I have <laughs> children. You know, I've heard that kind of thing before. But yeah. man, Will Smith, when you just go back and look at his filmography, there are movies that I just don't think he ever would have done. Like the old Will Smith that I remember mm -hmm. just every movie, a top blockbuster, every movie good. Like, I don't think old Will Smith would have ever done Suicide Squad. I just <laughs> Ooh, really I don't think really? so, man. I don't think he would have read Did that you script. See Bad Boys too. <laughs> yeah, Did that you was see Wild Wild West. Yeah, that was bad too. You would have totally done Suicide Squad. But Maybe one of these other movies, no. But he totally would have done Suicide Squad. But if you think about it, too, like, the only reason people like those movies at any sort of capacity is usually because of him anyway. You know, like, if there's any good thing, even in Wild Wild West, like, when I was younger, I actually loved that movie, but only because Will Smith was in it, you know? Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't, I didn't have a problem with him in Wild Wild, or not Wild Wild, Suicide Squad. I think that was the best version of Will Smith running around Will Smithing <laughs> I had seen in a long time. I think a really good example of what you were saying, though, was the movie Bright for Netflix. That was my next one. Yeah. That yeah. one I don't think he would have done. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do think he totally would have done Suicide Squad, but I don't think he would have done Bright. Because mm. that's, oh, that's a toughie. Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong. Awful. Suicide Squad is a toughie, but you get the logic of it with how big superheroes are now. Yeah, so maybe he saw dollar signs, and he's like, okay. And, and you're right. There, He has a history of choosing a film role because yeah. it would be lucrative. And those, and some of those films are. I mean, Wild Wild West made money. It like, definitely well, did, yeah. It was To me, it was dollar signs. And like I said, he just gets to run around Will Smithing. Yeah. It's not like he really has to really stretch his acting chops in that movie. There's actually all a lot he, these days where it's like that. All know? he had to do was like learn how to do some gun stuff, mm -hmm. like legit tactical gun stuff. You know, he had done gun stuff in Bad Boys and all these other movies, but legit tactical, like this guy was in the military. He is a legit marksman type of gun stuff. That's all he had to do. Yeah. Other than that, the fucker's Will Smith. I mean, can and you, I was fine with it. Yeah. Can you remember the last movie he did where he was he didn't get to be like a version of himself though? Like, and not that it's bad because I Will Smith forever will love him. He's yeah. amazing. But he gets it's just because of who he is and the caliber of who he is that it's people are fine with it. They cast him and stuff because they're like, we want you to just be you. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I want to say, I mean, the last movie I can think of where he had to actually not be a little bit Will Smithy is um, probably Pursuit of Happiness. Yeah. And yeah. that's and I guess that's what it is for me. I'm just getting beat down by these movies that I feel are beneath them. And that maybe that's what it is. After so many punches in the face, mm -hmm. you just it begins to swell. You know, you're you can't see as well as you normally could and you know, you get a little bit dizzy and maybe you don't think yeah. as clearly when it comes to, you know, and I guess that's what's happening to me. Like, because I, because I, there was a moment there where every movie was just so good and it was Oscar talk. Like you said, The Pursuit of mm -hmm. Happiness, there was Ali. I mean, he was just doing all of these like great, well-reviewed, just amazing movies. And then, and then it was like, so then a dud would come out and you would go, oh, okay, well, 
you know, it's Will Smith. That's just one, you know, that's just one movie. Mm-hmm. Then the next movie comes out and it's a dud or it's bad or you're like, oh, okay, well, all right, well, well, okay, you did that. Okay, well, we'll wait to the next one. And now it just feels like mm-hmm. that's the majority of what I'm getting. Like, I just, I yearn for the days where he was taken on a road that seemed like a challenge or seemed yeah. like something that was really just going to be a knock you out of the park row. So I'm starting to question his choices. Yeah. And because I question his choices, I'm questioning my choice to go spend money on him. Yeah. And actually, I take it back. Concussion was probably the last one he did where he was not Will Smith. I didn't watch it. Okay. It wasn't Will Smith. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You are right on that. Yeah. I should have let you finish. (laughs) You are absolutely right there. He wasn't Will Smith. I don't know if it was a good movie because I didn't watch it. But again, because of kind of. (laughs) We'll see. And then. (laughs) But see, like the whole thing about that is because of the couple of movies before that that he did i wasn't that interested in seeing concussion i, I and was I gonna love say Will that Smith. Yeah. yeah you took the words right out of my mouth so yeah. we're like in the exact same place because yeah. i didn't even watch that because and, i was yeah and i didn't and the thing is i don't know with him if it's like he's getting less options because they kind of want to typecast him as himself more these days or if it's more of like he's will smith and he can say like hey, if I can make it my version of what I want to do with it, then I'll do it. I could see him doing that because he could do what he wants, you know. Well, but I don't know which one of those it's more and about. I think, I think some of that is a good thing, though. Like, Yeah. Because I absolutely loved that he made the genie his own character. Yeah, that was great, actually. It's very much like a, it's, it's Will Smith. I don't feel like he's full on Will Smithing. Mm. But he does... He he does a very good job of I think bouncing back and forth between Will Smithing and acting. Yeah, it's just enough of it. Yes, yeah. he does. He does both. He does some of those scenes where you're like, yeah. I saw him do that in Pursuit of Happiness. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing some acting. Mm-hmm. And then there's some times he's just straight up Will Smithing, and I loved it. Yeah. And I think I think with me, like I know what you guys are talking about. Like I understand why a lot of people like Pursuit of Happiness and liked his uh, acting in it. And I'm not saying I didn't like his acting. I just didn't give a fuck about that movie. <laughs> like I, But I get why people like it. Like mm-hmm. It's just that's not my cup of tea with some of this stuff. And so I understand the love for that movie. But I'm not going to lie. I kind of want him just to go back to just honestly being Will Smith all the time. I want him being Will yeah. Smith shooting guns. I want him to be Will Smith hitting on women. I want him to be Will Smith, just doing Will Smith shit. Mm. I just loved that Will Smith so much. And he's I know, wonderful, yes. I know he's got acting chops and all this other stuff. I get it. But his nose for picking out movies to act in is bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, like, Hitchcock, mm. it's it's 90% a good movie. But that 10% bad... <laughs> His Too bad. Fucks up is all really bad. Movie. Yeah, that one had potential. It did. Yeah, it was so a good. lot of potential. Until it became the if we're close to each other, we die. Shit. I'm like, well, that's a good way to have a like a race of beings. <laughs> oh, if we're near each other, we die. What the fuck is that shit? <laughs> but like, it just it does. It goes off the rails so much so that it destroys all the goodwill. No pun intended. <laughs> that that movie had. Yeah. But I yeah. thought he was great in that because for the most part, I mean, he does, I guess he kind of does a little bit like he did with Genie. He's got some moments of sincerity. 
And he's got some moments of Will Smith. I mean, even yeah. in I Am Legend, like he wasn't full on Will Smithing at any point. <sighs> and he should have been. But he still oh, was. That's what that movie needed so bad. <laughs> but it was still like the performance was. It was. It was different than what he normally does, but it was enough to where you feel like it's Will Smith, and that's why I like this. You know yeah. what I mean? He. It very much was Will Smith in a movie where all the times he should have been Will Smithing. He did acting. That made me so sad. <laughs> like when he's talking to the mannequins? Yeah. <laughs> he, 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 he could have been so funny with that, but also he was so sad because he's alone in the world. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. yeah. I wanted him to Will Smith it the fuck. Like hit uh, on a mannequin and just be yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, I, I get that. To touch on it going, hey, baby. <laughs> So lonely. He is the most charming and smooth person in the world. Like, yeah, personality-wise, he probably has one of the best personalities that you could ask for from someone, and yeah. that's why it works with when he does his own thing. And that's why my absolute all-time favorite Will Smith movie is Hitch. I love that movie. That is a very good movie. It's just because I enjoyed him that walking around being smooth with the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> and I love and it. And even when he's not smooth, he's still smooth somehow. I don't know. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> the shit he does where it's like, oh, it's a bad first date and all this other stuff. He looked infinitely more charismatic and likable oh, than for if sure. I had done any of that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He's just if a I had very done charming any person. Any of what he did on that date, I would have just probably had the cops called on me. And I'd be nah, I get it. <laughs> and even in like I think another really good example of him being Will Smith is Independent Day. Like in that movie, he was very Will Smith. And I loved yeah. I loved him in that movie. That was yeah. the first movie I ever saw him in. And I was like, Yeah, this is this is perfect. I love it. So yeah. yeah. I mean he punched an alien unconscious right. through its exoskeleton armor. They couldn't even shoot it and right. damage it with those fucking things. But he punched it so hard and got knocked out. And you love it's it. It's glorious. Yeah, you're just like, yeah. I don't even care that that's not realistic because it's amazing. Yeah. yeah. And my favorite scene in that movie is uh, Harry Connick Jr. dies. So that's awesome. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> but, but yeah, and then he's just such an awesome person. Like, whenever those YouTube fans of the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air uh, created that little preview for mm -hmm. that dramatic take on the Fresh Prince... Which is excellent. If you haven't seen that, I don't know who hasn't seen it by now. It's got like millions of hits and all this stuff. Actually, but no, I've never seen that. I have no idea oh, what you're talking about. Uh, look that up because it was awesome. It's this preview of The Fresh Prince, but it's these just these indie filmmakers and they do like a preview for a film. Oh, but it's I a very seen that. okay, it's a very like dramatic take on The Fresh Prince. So it starts with uh, the, the, you know, his mother talking to him and going, Oh, you're getting into too much trouble. You these the choices you're making the bad neighborhood. I, I fear that if I don't let you move with your uncle and aunt, uncle Phil and Aunt Fib, you're going to you know. I, I just feel like these streets are going to kill you. You know, you're not in your classes. You're mm -hmm. not. So it's really a dramatic take on it. But it was well done and it was awesome. And you could tell because of the homages who every character was. It brought back memories, but huh. it was just a very well, and it was, and the scenes are well acted. It's well shot, mm -hmm. so much so that somebody got this in front of Will Smith, and he liked it so much that he actually did like a little interview thing with the filmmakers and stuff mm -hmm. like that, and there's talk that he's going to try to produce it to try to, they're going to actually try really? to do something. So I thought that was the coolest Thing in the world and that's why that's just one reason why I love him so much but mm -hmm. man dude but but film wise the last film that I saw him in was Gemini Man and 
if I can't, I already forgot about that. And yeah, exactly. We did and, actually. Oh, and that's no. the thing, man. If it gets to the point to where I can't trust Ang Lee as the director, and I get two Will Smiths on the marquee, and mm-hmm. I can't go into the movie and come out satisfied or happy or even just remotely liking it a little bit because I hated that movie. If I can't trust <laughs> that, then something is wrong because I used to just go, oh, Will Smith, I'm there. I'm going. Yeah. And now I'm iffy on him. I'm iffy on, well, let me see what the reviews look like. Let me see mm-hmm. uh, what people are saying about it. Let me see what now I'm that guy. And I was never that guy for Will Smith. And, and I it, guess that's my point. Yeah. And I think Sterling had it right when he was saying he just picks bad movies sometimes. Yeah. Like, there are some people that just pick terrible movies and he's not great at it as much as I love him. He's not the best at picking movies that he should be in. And I think in his head, he has an idea of like, I know I'm going to make this so great. Like he has a vision. Mm -hmm. And then because of all the other factors of what that movie is, the vision just does not work. Mm -hmm. And then that's how we get what we get for the later half of his career. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, we were sitting here talking about Will Smith in this entire time and I'm sitting here thinking, yeah, the last thing I saw him in was Aladdin. Right. I I had legitimately forgot that he was in Gemini Man. No joke, um, I forgot about that movie. Yeah, I was just in here like, yeah, no, but I, the last thing he was in it was Aladdin, and it gave me hope. And then you were like, Gemini Man. I'm like, no, fuck that guy. <laughs> I, have, I have no hope. <laughs> I oh, dude, wow. Yeah. I I have literally spent that entire conversation thinking the last thing he was in was Aladdin. And this movie was in October, I think, right? Yeah, we just, <laughs> movie we came just out. yeah, and we, we did a whole thing, a podcast on it and everything, and you forgot. You repressed that memory. Yeah. That's how bad it was. I just, we, we get there and we talked about it and it was done, and I have not thought about that movie once <laughs> since we did that podcast. And, wow. Oh, that just blows my mind. Um, mm-hmm. I'll go ahead and do one, and we'll we'll kind of do like another r- round of everybody and stuff. But cool. I'll I'll switch it up and talk about a director, and uh, I will do Tim Burton because Tim Burton for so long was just this untouchable god of a director. I mean, when you had Batman nineteen eighty nine and Batman Returns, Edward Scissorhands, Scissorhands, even man. the things he was producing, but. Wasn't able to direct it and stuff, but still had a huge hand in. Like, he did all the character designs and everything. Like, Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Um, the Corpse Bride was fantastic. Uh, Big Fish. Um, oh, Big Fish was wonderful. Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Um, he just had so many great, great movies. And then, I don't know what happened to him, but it's just every single thing he's done is just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> like... It's like every sense of vision the man ever had has just gone away. Because whenever you sit there and you're watching these things, and it's just like he's trying to revamp properties that no one feels like needs to be revamped. Like Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, which I actually understand that one a little bit because his version is very accurate to the books. He wanted to do a more faithful adaptation of the books and all this other stuff, and I get that. That's fine. And I, I do think there's some merits to that movie that were kind of uh i know a lot of people just hate it on because you know they hold you know the the original as like you know sacred but but after that when you're getting dark shadows and it's garbage you're getting those alice in wonderland movies oh that are garbage you're getting even something as recently as fucking dumbo yeah oh i forgot he did that one yeah, yeah. 
Everyone did because nobody fucking went and saw it. Yeah, nobody saw it. It was a big flop at the box office. Like, that's the big problem with him is it used to be Tim Burton movie. And I was like, sign me up. I'll be there at midnight mm-hmm. the night before. And just now, I've got no problem just not watching a Tim Burton movie at all. Mm. I mean, the last really great one I remember him doing. Well, I mean, let's just go through some of this. I, I heard the movie Big Eyes was good. Yeah, I never saw I didn't it. See that, but I yeah, I had I no had no desire to see it though. Miss Peregrine's Home for Particular Children, not good. Mm. Um, Frank and Weenie should have just stayed a short film. <laughs> I don't know why they decided to make a like a bigger one of it. Um, Dark Shadows was bad. Um, Sweeney Todd, I thought was good for what it was. Yeah, I enjoyed. Yeah, Sweeney I would Todd. say that too. I like that. Um, Corpse Bride, I think Corpse Bride was okay. It just felt like he was trying to go after the magic of Nightmare Before Christmas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it just didn't quite have it. It's a good story. I liked it. Yeah, it's a good story. It just wasn't, it was never going to be able to match what Nightmare did. Mm-hmm. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Like I said, I think I understand it, but I, I also understand why people hate it. Big Fish was fantastic. Yeah. Um, I mean, but then you're, you're just getting into all this other stuff. And I feel like, I feel like there was another Alice in Wonderland movie. Did he not direct it? Maybe he or, just produced it. Maybe. Because I could have sworn they did it through the looking glass. Yeah, they did. He just produced it, it looks like. Oh, good. Well, at least he was smart enough to take his fucking name off of that movie. Yeah. James I legitimately, Robin? Yeah. Well, whoever the fuck that is. No, I legitimately thought t- Tim Burton directed that one, too. So at least kudos to him. I'm wrong on that. Um, it still doesn't change a damn thing, though. I mean, it's, <laughs> that movie was still based on the bullshit universe that he had set up. Mm-hmm. You know? It's just for whatever reason, I used to think that Tim Burton was so visionary and so artistic and so able to do anything. And I've slowly started to realize that all he's really good at, and I feel like he's kind of started to lose his ability with that, is just putting his spin on old properties or other properties. Hmm. I mean, almost everything he does is a book or is a property of something, you know. Um, cause I know big eyes is based on a book or something like that. And I know big fish is based on a book and I want to say even Mars attack was based on a book or something, but like it's him revamping stuff. I mean, or just putting his spin on stuff like the old Batman movies, you know, that's an existing property he's putting his spin on or, uh, planet of the apes, which was bad. <laughs> the bad yeah. planet of the apes. Yeah, the bad one, bad <laughs> reboot. Yeah. And he just put his spin on an existing property, Charlie and the chocolate factory. Hmm. Uh, that Miss, uh, Miss Peregrine's Unfortunate Children or <laughs> Crazy Weird Orphanage or whatever the fuck that book was called. It's a book. Unfortunate Children. <laughs> no, well, they're all... They're all... Peculiar. Sure. Yes, yeah. that's the word. Yeah. Both in the movie title and that describes them. Um, <laughs> it's just, oh, that movie, I don't know. Maybe I should have read the books before I watched that movie. And maybe it's just a young adult series that I have no business watching as a 30-year-old man. <laughs> But, oh, that movie's just fucking dumb. <laughs> it's weird and dumb, and not in any of the good ways. <laughs> it's not It's not weird in a good way, like Edward Scissorhands. Yeah. That's weird in a good way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Beetlejuice, weird in a good way. Mm-hmm. Peculiar, Miss, I don't know, Miss Provost's <laughs> fuckface house, I don't remember. <laughs> um, it's just weird in a bad way. And it's got Ava Green... I know people like her. I know Heather's one of those people. I do like her. See. And. From Penny Dreadful. 
Yes. And it's just, it's weird. And it's just never good weird. I feel like there's weird bits of time travel and invisible monsters and then non-invisible monsters and then people that have superpowers that aren't really superpowers, but they say they're superpowers. And then there's a random Samuel Jackson. (laughs) Well, that's every movie though. So pretty much, but it's not even every movie. It's not even a good random Samuel Jackson. That's what sucks. Bummer. It's a bad Samuel Jackson. (laughs) It's a looper Samuel Jackson. (laughs) Yeah. He plays the bad guy hunting down weird shit things, which is my least favorite of Samuel Jackson's. (laughs) But he's doing, he's, you know, he's got that weird, he's got like weird gray hair. He might be blind. Jumper? Are you talking about Jumper? Yes, Jumper, not Looper. Jumper. Uh, Looper was good. I was like, wait. I get what you mean. Jumper, Jumper one. I I didn't even realize that you, I knew you were talking about Jumper. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you knew exactly what we were talking exactly about. I knew exactly what you were talking yeah, about. And I didn't even register that you said Looper. I was because I knew you were talking about Jumper, yeah. No, yes, you were absolutely right. It was yeah. it was it was Jumper. Um which I think Looper, I think the reason why I thought that well, is because I'm stupid sometimes and just say the wrong thing. But it's also because there is weird time traveling elements in this fucking story. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Like his grandfather is his age but not his age, or it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. And like I said, maybe the books do. Maybe I'm just oversimplifying it too much, and it makes sense to other people when they watch the movie. It's just, it was so bad. <laughs> and then he did Dumbo, because somewhere in the world, one person ever was clamoring for more Dumbo. <laughs> and I think it was Tim Burton. Right. Uh. No one else in the world fucking wanted. Thought that was needed. Wanted even half a more Dumbo. Like, nobody even needs the fucking Dumbo ride at Disney World anymore. You can just make it a magic carpet ride or just any other type of ride. (laughs) It doesn't even need to be Dumbo anymore. And Tim Burton's just sitting in the corner masturbating to to, to Dumbo (laughs) and just going, Disney, we need to do this. Oh, my. Yeah, I just, I have zero faith in anything he does. And so even when I hear people talk about how a movie's good of his, I just instantly just think, oh, it's not really good. Other people have liked other movies of his that aren't good. Yeah, I get you that. Know, apparently enough people liked Alice in Wonderland to... to get a second one. Yeah, yeah. To necessitate them making a sequel. And while I like a lot of his older movies and stuff like that, I don't feel like they age well. Mm. And so, I mean, to me, going back and watching like Edward Scissorhands kind of just does nothing for me. Mm-hmm. I don't... I'm not one of those people that's just like... Same with Nightmare Before Christmas. I used to love that movie. I really can't watch it anymore. Although Beetlejuice, I think, is still pretty good. Beetlejuice, yes, and the Batmans. Mm-hmm. I can watch the Batman still. Yeah. Um, which I know me and Jasper were talking about the other day. Uh, I think Batman Returns is severely underrated. Mm-hmm. Uh, so much so that I actually do prefer Batman Returns over the original, the 1989 Batman. Which I, I hate that I'm still saying Batman 89. Everybody knows what the fuck I'm talking about. If I'm talking about Batman, the movie, everybody knows I'm talking about Tim Burton's. Mm-hmm. Batman 1989. But, you know, I, I prefer, I, I I like Batman Returns better. Yeah. I just, I think it's. I did too. I think it's a little darker. Uh, but then at the same time, it's a little bit more ridiculous. Like when Danny DeVito as the Penguin is sitting there in that fucking RC car fucking version of the fucking Batmobile. And he's able to drive the Batman's Batmobile with it. Yeah. He's using a I fucking <laughs> love that scene. <laughs> it's utterly preposterous. Or like the, how they frame Batman for killing like Miss Gotham or whatever. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The whole battering and shit like that. Like, yeah. it's, it's it's dumb, but glorious. <laughs> like, 
I mean, how fucking amazing was that scene where like Catwoman goes in there and she's like talking to Danny DeVito about like how they need to go after Batman and all this other stuff, and she just puts that bird in her mouth. Oh yeah, yeah. And then uh-huh. just, it just like flies away and stuff like that, mm. or just like how obviously like awkwardly awful Oswald Cobblepot is, and they're like, oh, button. This is a button on this girl, and he's just like you know fumbling around, and I'm like. Oh man! If today that happened, that'd be totally sexual harassment. Yeah. Right. But it's not even—it's not even played like it's meant to be like sexual harassment. It's just the way it is. And just he bites that guy's nose. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, I fucking love that. <laughs> yeah. He just bites that guy's nose and shit. And then they're like, uh, "Okay, well, uh, Oswald Cobblepot, everybody, you know." Yeah. And he's just like, "Yeah, yeah." <laughs> <laughs> I played this city like a heart from hell. Yeah. And, and, she's, and everybody's like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's saying it right now. And you're like, y- you know he's not. And did, don't they do Don't they do the DJ thing with the CD? Yeah. Then he have a CD and they go, wicka, 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 city from hell. Or like, yeah, like a heart from hell. Yeah. Like a heart from hell. Like a heart from hell. <laughs> and they're just like staring at him. And everybody's like, why is he saying that, Mom? And you're just like... This guy's looking around, not even facing the microphone. <laughs> and, and you've got track skips and everything like that. Right. But it, like I said, as ridiculous as it is, playing a CD, a compact disc, like a fucking record. <laughs> but it's fun. Like, that's part of the charm with it. But it's now, it's like one of those things that, like, it's worked so well then. And I still think works now when you watch the old ones. But then I could just see him doing some dumb shit like that in Dumbo. Mm-hmm. And not giving a fuck. You know, like, it's, like I said, who the fuck wants more Dumbo? It really was him. He just sits there and just has a weird sexual fetish for elephants with big-ass ears that can fly. <laughs> and he wanted a, 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 and he got tired of sexually servicing himself to fucking cartoons. So he wanted a live-action version to do it with. Oh, my. He just had Disney pay for it. And it's funny because out of all these live action Disney remake things, like I'm, I mean, probably out of the three of us, I'm like, I'm probably the biggest Disney fan on here. Like, I just love me some Disney, you know, I was super happy about Disney Plus, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and I've seen a ton of stuff on it already. But like. And one of the things I made it a point to do was when these live action remakes were coming out, I wanted to give them all a chance. I really wasn't that person on the outside going, what is the point of this? Why do they release <laughs> these? Oh, it's just a cash grab. I wanted them all to be good. I yeah. just want Disney stuff to be good. I'm just pro Disney. I just like all their stuff. I just want, mm-hmm. I, you know, I was going to, I want to give all those movies a chance, but reading some of the reviews of this and how people, and it's funny that you were talking about Tim Burton because a lot of the critic complaints were it's odd and it's dark and his style doesn't mesh well for what the spirit of this is and what it was in the original. And they just said a lot of different things like that. It's odd. It's dark. It's uncomfortable was one way that mm-hmm. one critic review person described it. It's because he made his own porn. <laughs> Maybe so. Maybe you got a point <laughs> with that. So, I mean, I, and, and some of the reviews I read and the score it got was so off-putting. The, the, this, to this day, remains the only live-action Disney remake that I haven't seen yet. And I'm just, and I know I got, I'm probably going to wind up watching it eventually, but I've been putting it off, man, just because of the 
reception and just what I've seen is so bad. And I was just wondering, do you also think that maybe there's a lack of range there? Like, do you think that as far as directing goes, he's like the equivalent of maybe like that actor who's kind of like a character actor, like he plays certain characters and does them well. But when it's something where it would require him to kind of go outside of that or do something that's a little bit not, you know, or he's changing something to try to fit his kind of dark, Mm -hmm. odd, eccentric kind of style of filmmaking. Do you think that maybe he just lacks the range to do anything different? So now, anytime it's a Tim Burton thing, you know it's going to be odd. You know it's going to be eccentric. You know it's going to be kind of like this dark, gothic type stuff. And maybe just not everything fits that nowadays. Do you think that maybe that's part of your problem? Like maybe you don't see, not only are you not seeing a change or an adjustment or an evolution of his film style, but you don't think you will. Mm. Well, I mean, I do agree with what you're saying a little bit because I do think Big Fish is a big departure. Yeah, I was thinking that too. Does. It does have a, a lot of a, a lot of the visual aspects that he does in some of his movies, mm-hmm. but it still ends up being more bright and yeah. stuff like that. But yeah. it does have those those visual elements here and there that are his style and stuff. And so I think he could. I think he's just so complacent not to. You know, I think he would much rather. I think honestly, he sits there. And one reason why he likes doing remakes and all this other stuff more, or why he ends up doing those more and stuff like that, I feel is like because then I think he likes taking things that exist into twisting it into his visual style. Mm. You know, I think that that's what he really enjoys doing. I think he likes sitting there and looking and watching Dumbo and going, but what if it looked like my stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and I know you were talking about the reviews were off-putting with Dumbo and everything like that, but... How much of it also do you think, even if the reviews were more mediocre, not straight up bad, say if the reviews were just more mediocre, considering you don't like Dumbo, would you yeah. would you have still given it a chance? Like Because all these other movies that they're remaking and stuff like that, you like them. You like Cinderella. You know, you like Beauty and like the Beast. Beauty and the Beast. You, yeah. know, you like those movies. So even if the score was just a little, I'm not saying better. Like, you know, of course, if you know everybody's like, Dumbo is a triumph and... <laughs> <laughs> grade A, like filmmaking and all this other stuff. I don't care how you feel about Dumbo. You're probably going to go watch it at that point. Mm-hmm. But even if just the scores were a little bit better, would that have mattered? Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, You got a point there. Dumbo is not exactly high on my list. And I mean, there's just, just some racism stuff in there that, I mean, <laughs> you know, we don't need to spend a lot of time on. But come on, I mean, I've <laughs> I never seen. When I see an elephant fly. I mean, you got a group called Jim Crow in there. Yeah. And I mean, and so it's just like a lot of that stuff. It's, it's, <laughs> but, and, but yeah, you're, you you got a point though, man. Like I wouldn't have, uh, yeah, it wouldn't, it definitely wouldn't have been high on my list, but maybe if the reviews were a little better and I was like, okay. And if I maybe have the mindset that he fixed it. Yeah. Maybe then. Took out those racist elements. But I'm just saying like the reviews were what, like, Put it roughly around to 30% or something. Yeah. But I'm just saying if they were like a 45. No, I wouldn't have changed much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah like, you're right. Even if it was yeah. like a 50, would you? Yeah, like, even if it was a 50, yeah, you're right. I wouldn't have, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, that wouldn't have got me off the couch. Yeah. yeah. And, and and like I said, it goes back to who was clamoring for a Dumbo remake. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just, do you, I mean, and I mean this in all seriousness, and instead of fans, you can comment back and all this other stuff. Is Dumbo in anybody's top three Disney movies? 
<laughs> just anybody. Nobody, alive. nobody I know ever mentions it. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to go out as far as is Dumbo in anybody's top five? Shit, I, fifteen. I, well, I was, yeah, I was going to say like ten. <laughs> yeah, like, right, right. Like, 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 well, yeah, like fuck it, ten. Like, let's just say, is, is Dumbo legitimately in anybody's top ten? Yeah, no. Of all time, <laughs> it's there's just so much better shit out there that I feel like have the same message and everything like that, you know. And then also minus the racist message. Yeah. So it's got the same you believe in yourself message and the the non-racist message. So I feel like there's enough better Disney out there. Also, now that I think about it, and I don't know, you can tell me if this is sacrilege for saying this or not, but isn't Guillermo del Toro a better version of this guy right now? Mm-hmm. Like he's oh, he has the darkest centric stuff right now. He he makes like those weird, dark kind of very interesting, very eccentric movies and he's got a way that he tells stories and a visual look that's distinct and you know it's del toro when you see it but his movies are good they're awesome Mm. quality he can do something based on uh something previous or but he also does his own movies and there's just always a visual style and when i see previews for del toro stuff i'm intrigued and i want to go see him like I used to be with Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's part of it too. We've got a better version of him that's alive and well and kicking and <laughs> doing awesome stuff right now. And I and I and when I say version of him, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying Del Toro is copying Tim Burton in any kind of way. But I just mean a similar angle. They have angle. a certain style yeah. and well, they stick with it. Yeah. It's, you can look at a Tim Burton movie and know it's a Tim Burton movie. Yeah. You can look at a Gilmer de Toro movie and know it's him. His just the art direction of his movies, the the style of his movies. And it is mainly because he does feature monsters. Yeah. And you know, his he has he does a lot of work of helping design his monsters. Yes. He he does put a lot of work into that. I mean, I know for Pan's Labyrinth, he had like just a book of monster designs and all this other mm-hmm. stuff he had worked on. And he also did some of the stuff for Hellboy. Like, even though it's an existing property and stuff like that, for his movie version of it, he helped design some of the stuff and really mm-hmm. played into that. Um, but no, I get what you're saying. It's He's just a very stylistic director, like mm-hmm. Burton was. Yeah. And he'll take anything and twist it into his stuff. Mm-hmm. But the thing, I think the difference is also, is Del, Mer- or Del Toro movies have so much more depth. Yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what I mean. Like he's Tim th- Burton movies tend to be incredibly superficial. Yeah. And even when they have a moral or a point, it's it's just so right on the nose. Yeah. It's just so it's just like the visuals with it. It's, it's just, no deeper meaning. Well it's just it's they're just they're gonna just show you what the fucking message is. Yeah. Like all the stuff's tying up and then you're gonna have the character say like, oh I wish we shouldn't have judged that person how they looked. <laughs> and like they're just gonna tell you what the fucking message of the movie is. Right. Yeah, like it's it's all superficial. Where a Del Toro movie or a Del Toro movie, movie, there's layers to it. There's depth yeah. to it. You know, yeah. there's there's I don't want to say hitting meanings, but you know, there's just you'll you'll find out things by just acting and just there's more to uncover. Yes, yeah, it's you know, yeah. I mean, while Shape of Water is essentially about animal monster fucking, there is more to it than that. Yeah. Yes. yes. I mean, I do. There's like a lot more to it. Yeah. Yes. And it's a beautifully dark, twisted movie. It really is. He does, and he really does like modern day versions of fairy tales. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's why he just kind of reminds me. Like, I feel like here's a nerd reference for the nerds out there. If Tim Burton was a Pokemon, 
his evolved version is Gilmero del Toro. Is Gilmero del Toro. And I think I can say that. <laughs> yeah, I get well, that. I kind of think he's two up, though. Like, <laughs> like at this point, I, Tim Burton's Squirtle. Yeah. And del Toro's running around his Blastoise. Yeah, I'm, I'm exactly. Sure, I'm sure there's a Wardus somewhere in there <laughs> running around. But I just don't think it's... I, I get what you're saying, that comparison. Of, yeah. Uh, you know, a more evolved version of like this. visual styles, and it just they're being very stylistic. It's just I don't think I don't think really speaking, I don't think Tim Burton can make a world. I don't think he can create a world. I've seen Del Toro do it numerous we times. We have, yes, we have. Even if he's just taking our world and twisting some elements into it to making a smaller like pocket universe version of our world and stuff, I've seen him do it. Yeah, and he can just create something. Like I mean, hands down, still my favorite in. I don't want to say always will be my favorite, but it's going to be hard for Del Toro to even beat it for me. It's Pan's Labyrinth. Mm. It's going to be so hard for anything oh, he has to beat that. The Pale Man. The Pale Man. You have the Pale Man. You have the gigantic fucking toad thing. You have Pan. Yeah, you know, Pan was great too, yeah. You have the, the fucking fairies, you know. Uh, just, it was, it, it was a fairy tale. But then you had that superimposed on, you know, the Spanish Civil War in Spain at the time and, you know, fascism versus, and it just, it was so beautifully interweaved. Yeah, man. You know, it was such a beautiful, beautiful fucking movie with that stuff. And so it's just one of those things, like, it's so distinct. And so, you know, and it and it's, I think what adds even more depth to his visual style, like I said, his creatures have a very distinct style. Like, I'm, I'm 90% sure you could just show me a bunch of creatures and I can point out which ones Del Toro designed. Mm-hmm. But... And I think that's what adds to him so much is his creatures even feel like in his movies, like they've got a personality. Like even if it's something like the pale man who you get zero backstory on, you literally, he's just there to fuck your mind up in a sequence and stuff like that. But you just feel a depthness to that character. Yeah. He's got like these really, really skinny legs and he's got his like fucking nail or like his, his eyes are in his palms and stuff like that. And you just feel like it's not done by accident. Mm-hmm. You feel like Del Toro's sitting there and like wrote like a 10 page backstory about why the pale man looks the way he does. What's the advantages and disadvantages of his eyes being oh, on yeah. his palms? And you know, like what are the physical limitations of his legs being so skinny at the bottom? And like you feel like there's just thought mm-hmm. yeah. into just something as distinct as just that visual system. And, and I could be completely wrong. It could be just like, nah, motherfucker, I thought it looked cool. <laughs> but he did a good job of making you think it's yeah, more but, than that. Yeah. But yeah. there's so much care and attention to detail in his movies. I yes. feel like there's more to that's, that. Yeah. Right. No, that's you true. Know, especially like, and it's and it's also in Pan's Labyrinth. And the reason why I feel that is like, if you look at Pan at the beginning of the movie, when he's first awoken, he's very rickety, and very old and very slow to move and stuff like that. And as the movie goes on and essentially more magic's revealed and all this other stuff, he actually gets... Younger mm-hmm. and more free and all this other stuff. Then by the time you see him at the end, he's like, you know, the pan that he always was or something. You know, like, he's just, you know, vibrant, full of motion and movement and all this other stuff. So you see, like, that reverse aging of him as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. And so it's little things like that which make me feel that way. Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, so much so that, like, it's like the littlest of things. Like, oh, this fairy has a chipped tooth or whatever, like, or her wing slightly ripped. And you feel like he's, like... Wrote a story about how she was battling a house cat or something, and like got you know like a rip <laughs> right. on her wing or something. You just feel that in his designs. 
mm-hmm. you know, and you don't feel like it's by accident and all this other stuff. And so that's why I think it's, yeah, it's Guillermo del Toro took the type of stuff Tim Burton was known for doing and ran with it and like lapped him 20 times over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the del Toro movie, I'm always willing to see. Like he yes. has, and, he, and even if he just produces them, even if he's just producing it, I'm more likely to see that than a lot of other people's stuff. Like yeah. scary stories. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's not and it's not always the best stuff. He did one not too long ago about like some little fairy things that were eating people or eating teeth or something. Um and no the teeth eating one's from Hellboy. But it was like little fairies attacking people. And I want to say Katie Holmes was in it. Hmm. Um and he produced that. Was it the best thing in the world? No. But was it was it better than a lot of horror shit? Yeah. I mean, but it's you know, if you didn't see it or whatever, it was not bad. You know, like he was forgiven. But, like, just him even putting his name on a movie, I feel like has more thought than Tim Burton movies when he actually directs it. Um, but, Heather, do you have another example that you want to give us? Yeah, I mean, for me, kind of like you were talking about Tim Burton, I think that the actor version of that is Johnny Depp. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's just very much, I think these days more so recently, typecast in a certain way where he used to be very versatile and I used to think he picked, he was very smart about picking his roles and what what movies he would do because it showed a lot of range for him. And nowadays I feel like he is just fully leaning into like he's a weird person and he wants to play like that weird, weird character. But Mm -hmm. you don't feel like him playing a weird character is any different than any other weird character he's played. Like Jack Sparrow... It could be the same as, you know, um, whoever he plays in Grindelwald, the Grindelwald character or whatever. Like, it's basically, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> whatever that movie's called, um, Fantastic Beasts. Well, that, that, that one's, specific. well, he does do it in Fantastic Beasts, where to find him, but also the crimes of Grindelwald. Crimes of Grindelwald, that's right. Okay. But yeah, like, you feel like that would be just be like, you know, another Jack Sparrow, but just a different movie. Or like, you know, you just feel like he's just doing the same weird character for the sake of being that weird character. And he used to do a lot more variety and have a lot more range. And I feel like now he's not. And it's just this, like, everything he does feels more like a vanity project of sorts. And I mean, I was never just like a hardcore Johnny Depp fan. But I respected, like, you know what? He's done a lot of different stuff, and he's very good in everything he's done. But now it's just all more of the same, and it's not even good of the same. (laughs) Like, if we had him in, what was it, Finding Neverland or movies like that where it was more of that kind of stuff, it would be different. But it's more of Sweeney Todd and, like, those types of characters where he's just trying to be weird for the sake of it, and it doesn't, it, it just gets old. So for me, he's definitely one where his credibility and types of movies that he does is just, it's diminished greatly because he's just the same character all the time now. And I just, I never want to see a Johnny Depp movie anymore because I'm like, I know exactly what character you're going to be. I know what you're going to play it as. I know what you're going to do. And I'm not interested, you know? So that's how I feel about him these days. No, and and we have talked about that. Yes. Especially before on this podcast, when it comes to, yeah, every role is just Johnny Depp being weird. Mm-hmm. It's Alice in Wonderland. It's him wearing some hats and being weird. And, uh, <laughs> Willy Wonka. Yeah, it's him wearing some hats or and being weird. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, sorry. Yeah, that one is specifically. Yeah, but it's him wearing some hats and being weird. Um, Dark Shadows is him wearing pale makeup and being weird. The Lone Ranger is him dressing up as a Native American, claiming he's part Comanche or Cherokee or where the fuck he's doing 
but no, he's actually just running around as a white guy looking weird as a fucking uh, Native American. And that's all his movies are. Yeah. I mean, at least Edward Scissorhands, it was a good performance of him being weird. Yeah, but it was him being weird with Scissorhands. Exactly. And... It's still the same. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Pirates in the Caribbean movies are him being drunk and weird on a boat. and right. Yeah. The Rum Diaries. Like, same thing. It's, it's just... him being drunk and weird on a boat. <laughs> right. Um, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas is him being drunk and weird on drugs in Vegas. In a car. Yeah. In a car. Yeah. It's, it's right. Eating Gilbert Grape is... Him being the only normal one in a weird family. So essentially, he's the weird one in his family. <laughs> it's just nonstop. He's being fucking weird all the time. I mean. But it's almost to the point where you feel like he is just so proud of it because he thinks he's like a pretentious weirdo. Oh, you know you he know? is. Because that motherfucker <laughs> spends at least $9,000 a day on scarves alone. <laughs> he's like, oh, look at how weird I dress. Right. I mean, even his fucking cologne commercials are weird. He's still in fucking cologne, and it's him digging a hole in the desert. And somehow that's supposed to make me want to fucking buy Dior or whatever the fuck it is he's selling. Mm-hmm. Oh, look how weird I dig a <laughs> smell like. <laughs> like, what the fuck is that? Yeah, he, uh, man, I think that he is very much a, if it's not broke, don't fix it type of actor. But it is broke. Um, that's the problem, is it's broke. Yeah, <laughs> and I think that, it. Um, you know, because when you look at, the course of his career, that has kind of been his motto. And I mean, who could blame him because it's worked. It worked for a certain period of years, but mm-hmm. now we have gotten to where it, like you said, it is broke. And I don't know if his talents are capable of fixing it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like, because I think for him, it was just, you know, he could tag team with, Tim Burton, and if it was Johnny Depp on the marquee with Tim Burton, you were going to see it. Mm -hmm. Like, that was very much what they would do. They kind of had this tandem going, and a Depp-Burton was something to go see. It was something to go watch. And I do feel like the last great character, like, iconic character he had was the Captain Jack Sparrow. But as you could see, 50 movies later... You know, yeah. that, oh. that that's what he does. Like, it's just, you know, he latched onto that because everybody yeah. loved And they were like, they Jack love this, Sparrow. let's give him oh, more man. And he got nominated forms. for that Oscar. And I, I love the, the Jack Sparrow character. I think that is one of the best characters he's ever done. I do think when you just look at it and compare it to his other performances and stuff, mm-hmm. I do love that Jack Sparrow character. But yeah. are you guys right? Is it him being weird and it him is. doing the quirky looks when there's an awkward situation? He has a look yeah. that he gives when there's a situation that's awkward yeah. and he kind of does this little thing. You know, he has mannerisms yeah. that you that you see. I bet I bet anything that on YouTube there is a there should be a a cut of all of his cut weird of him faces doing that same damn face <laughs> in, in an awkward <laughs> moment and it's just in every movie it's the same damn face like and, yeah. and there are actors that have things you recognize like Tom Cruise he has this thing where he winds his his hand mm. and speaks <laughs> and he does that in a lot of movies like that's his shit like he he has a mannerism with his hands that he does and it's like yeah. In every movie. Like, but Johnny Depp, he definitely has a look that he gives. And so I do think that's been his mentality, man. People like when I act this way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and it, and it did go well for that. But, like, 
I want to say the last non Johnny Depp type of thing that he did, kind of like we were talking about with Will Smith, where it's like he's just being him, but it works for him and how he does it. Yeah. With Johnny Depp, it just gets boring and old. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I mean, I guess it's just the. I don't know if it's the talent difference or what, but just in general, like it just plays better when Will Smith is because he's not being like eccentric for the sake of it. He's just being like goofy, funny, likable person. Like there's the difference in that. But I think the last movie I remember seeing him in where he wasn't just being a weird character was public enemies. Yeah. And and that was him playing um, like a, another person, like a a real person. So it's just kind of like when he's not having to play like a person who was real, he's just playing weird people or he's making the character a weird person. Yeah. You know what I mean? And he feels like yeah. that's where I, that's where my money's going to be. That's what people like. So I'm just going to continuously do that. And yeah. by now you would have hoped that that would have changed. And I thought in 2015, maybe he was turning around because he did a movie called Black Mass mm-hmm. where he played this like ruthless gangster, just this cutthroat mob that boss. Was, that was Whitey Bulger, wasn't it? Yeah, that was another real character, right? Yeah, or- yeah. Real person, yeah, another real person, and he was he was good in that. I liked the mm-hmm. movie. I thought he was great in that. I want to say he got nominated for a few awards and everything. And I really thought, oh man, this this, this <laughs> might be him turning, turning around. it around. I think he's going to start doing more roles like this. He got a lot of critical acclaim, and I figured that maybe this would mark a turnaround for him. And then he just went right back to that. Mm-hmm. To that shit. So I don't know if, and I know that for that role, apparent. I know that he had done a lot of research and work, and I know that he worked hard to get himself in the mindset to play yeah. that gangster role. And I don't know if maybe it was too much work. I don't know if he felt comfortable doing something like that. I, and I just feel like he's comfortable being comfortable. Like he, well, he, I think a lot of it also is is the guy has an exuberant lifestyle. Mm, like the yeah. amount of money he spends on wine, like a month, <laughs> oh, is more money than you will ever think of seeing. Okay, so I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he had been so successful for so long that like he's got to make money, yeah, mm-hmm. to to actually exist still. Yeah, to still have the lifestyle he yeah. wants to have. Because I want to say it's a few million dollars a month on wine or something like that. Mm. Wow, it's at least. Hundreds of thousands of dollars wow. or something like that on wine a month. Wow. Yeah. I mean, and I think with, with him, like, if he is just trying to add a little bit of himself and his eccentricness into these characters, it doesn't come across as genuine the way that other people do it, like Will Smith. Like, it's yeah. like, it doesn't, he doesn't seem like a genuine person. Like, it doesn't seem like it's genuine when he is doing that. And that's yeah. why you feel like he's doing it just for the sake of doing it. Yeah. You know what I mean? And other people, it's like, no, I just feel like adding a little bit of this flavor into it's going to add to the character. With him, he's just doing it because he, he wants to do it, you know? Yeah. And I'll, I'll say this, though. The last movie I liked him in was Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> and I know I know it's because I'm one of the few people out there that actually liked it. But also, he played, he played Edward Ratchet. Mm-hmm. If you don't know anything about Murder on the Orient Express, he's the murderer. <laughs> Not the murderer. He's the murderer. Yeah. He's the one that dies. Yeah. Okay. And so I really appreciated that. Because <laughs> he's in it for like 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah. And he's a shitty character, which is what that character is. And then he's dead. And it's fantastic. <laughs> Although, I because mean. Because I feel like that's how I would have been. If I'm ever on a train and I was seeing like Johnny Depp, I'm just going to be like, 
uh, and I'm going to kill him. <laughs> Although, what about his like short cameo in 21 Jump Street? <laughs> well, yeah, but I mean... Where he's like, takes his face off and it's Yeah, it's just him. Yeah, I mean, and kudos to him for doing that. Yeah. And he that was actually pretty funny. He does have some cool-ass yeah. cameos. Yeah. Well, and, and he's been in, like, I know I haven't really watched him or anything like that, but he was... Uh, I want to say he made an appearance in Kevin Smith's Tusk and mm-hmm. Yoga uh, Yoga Hoosers. Mm. Um, he plays a character in that because his daughter's one of the main people in that. Mm. But, yeah, he did a cameo in it and stuff like that. Oh, I mean, that's cool on him that he also doesn't take himself so seriously that he wants to do stuff like that. Yeah. And that's cool, you know, and I do appreciate that. It's just maybe he should take his career decisions a little bit more seriously. Yeah. And, you know, and maybe cut back to nine scarves <laughs> a day. Yeah, maybe. Just every outfit he has. There's so many scarves. He is single-handedly keeping the world's scarf business alive. <laughs> I mean, it's him and Lenny Kravitz. <laughs> Lenny Kravitz wears a lot of scarves, but Lenny Kravitz can do it. He he makes it work, yeah. Um, Justin, do you have another person you want to talk about? Um, yeah, I guess we'll do. I mean, Johnny Depp, that was I a... Mean, you, yeah, you don't have to because I was going to do another one. But then Heather comes along and steals my person. Oh, sorry, I thought guys. it was kind of understood that I'm doing, I'm going to do Johnny Depp because I picked yeah. Tim Burton. So you were going to segue so in. So that's one A <laughs> and one B of the same trio of fire. My or trio. bad. See, I don't even know what the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> the duo of pain and anguish when it comes to going <laughs> to the movies, you know, because both of their careers died at the same time with each other. To be fair. I know how much you really don't like Johnny Depp, so I figured you didn't actually want to speak about him. No, I do. Because, like, <laughs> I wanted to actually bring up, I wanted to bring up the whole, um, and I, I'm glad you stalled a little bit, because I do want to keep talking about Johnny Depp. Um, <laughs> Since we all have that same second person, let's just keep talking about yeah, it. That's uh, fine. No, I just wanted to, I wanted to bring up, um, so the first Fantastic Beast and Where to Find Him. I don't know if you guys have seen it yeah. or care. Okay. Yeah, I saw it. So, like, the big spoiler at the end is that, like, Colin Farrell turns into Johnny Depp. Mm-hmm. And I'm just sitting here thinking, wouldn't have Colin and Farrell just been a better Grindelwald? <laughs> I would have been more intrigued Like, by I understand it. they want him to look all weird and do all the things that Johnny Depp, like, would do. Like, put in different colored <laughs> contacts and having bleach blonde hair and wearing scarves as a wizard or whatever the fuck he does. But <laughs> just straight on a performance level, wouldn't you have loved Colin Farrell more? Yeah, for sure. As Grindelwald. Especially because that would be I variety would prefer- for him. I would have preferred if Johnny Depp turned into Colin Farrell. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That, I agree. Then I would have been like, oh, yeah. This is this next one's going to be good. Grindelwald's going to do some shit. <laughs> now, all I'm thinking is Grindelwald's going to maybe do something. <laughs> maybe. I mean, yeah. I have about as, you know, as much faith in Johnny Depp doing something with this role as... Johnny Depp actually does in movies nowadays, which is just kind of fucking mumble around some shit and fucking be there. Yeah. You know, I'm just like, oh, but like if it was Colin Farrell, oh, I'd be like, oh, I'd be trembling now. I'd be like, oh man, this fictional character is going to fuck some shit up and <laughs> I might feel it. <laughs> because Colin Farrell is just a way better actor. For sure. Because he has variety. And, and like you see him do that and you're just kind of like, Oh, this is going to be so interesting. Like, I haven't seen him do this type of thing before, you know? And, uh, have you guys seen the Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus? Mm-mm. No, I never saw that. Okay. Because, yeah, it's, it was Heath Ledger's last role. He mm-hmm. died while filming that. Mm-hmm. And so they, uh, Colin Farrell, Johnny Depp, and Jude Law 
all stepped in to fill in for scenes that he did. Because when he goes into the Imaginarium, they have it changed people. It's no longer Heath Ledger. You know, it's this and that and stuff like that. And and, and Johnny Depp, Johnny Depp's one ends up being the last one you see in the the Imaginarium and stuff like that. But Colin Farrell's was so much better. <laughs> like I've got a direct comparison of they both played the same role mm-hmm. in the same movie, and Colin Farrell was better. Mm-hmm. But Johnny Depp at the time was a bigger name when it came yeah. to stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna lie, Jude Law did it too. Jude Law was fantastic. Wow. He's he's pretty consistently good. Yeah, yeah. which is also why. I love that he's Dumbledore, and I wanted to see Colin Farrell. That would have been good. And it's partially because I think both of those men are very attractive. <laughs> and I would, since they were um, lovers in the past, I wanted to see flashbacks of Jude Law and Colin Farrell making out or something. <laughs> so now I'm sad that I They're don't They're both get that. significantly more attractive than Johnny Depp, who I don't ever think was attractive. Especially in but this movie. Yeah. Because he's all bleach blonde and shit. Mm-hmm. He's got like a white mustache hairs and he's shit. Like, <laughs> yeah, and no he's like... And no one looks good. With platinum blonde mustache hairs. No. Like, my mustache is turning white. Like, my hairs, my beard hairs are turning white. But it's Santa Claus white. (laughs) Everybody likes a Santa Claus white beard. (laughs) That's fun. Nobody likes a platinum blonde mustache. Like the fake blonde. Well, yeah, because it's that bleach blonde mustache. Looks bad. Because then you look like a creeper. Mm -hmm. No matter what it is. Yeah. Like, white, yes. Platinum blonde, no. But if you think about it, like, if Colin Farrell had done the white, he would have made it look a lot better. I don't even think he would have needed to do it. He wouldn't, but I'm just saying if he had to do that as a choice, he would have made it look better. Yeah. No, because Colin Farrell would have just said, fuck you, keep my hair black. And I would have been like, yes. My rich locks. (laughs) It's fantastic. Yeah, he's an attractive man. I will give him that. Um, No, Justin, do you have a... Mm-hmm. Yeah, so the reason why I was hesitating is because I really narrowed it down to two people. Should I talk about Al Pacino or should I talk about Matt Damon? Because that, that those were kind of the two I was thinking about, and we kind of mm-hmm. discussed Pacino a little bit. Do, do Pacino since he just was in The Irishman. Yeah, and I mm-hmm. think then that's what I think I'm going to go. I was going to uh, go ahead and talk about him and Matt Damon. I'll give you a break. Plus, I really liked <laughs> Ford versus Ferrari, so I'm high on him right now. I think hopefully <laughs> something will come of that and uh, it might turn things around for Mr. Damon there. And the movie's been doing well at the box office. So, yay, Matt Damon. But um, Al Pacino, I, I just was thinking about people who might be a little overrated or just overrated actors and stuff like that. We were just kind of talking at the table. And the person that kept coming to mind was Al Pacino. And the more I think about it, I'm like, man. Is he really just the same angry kind of yelling kind of mad, you know, high tone speaking mad person in a lot of his films? And I just couldn't shake that that feeling I was having to say, man, I think he's really overrated because he is like one of those well-respected actors and he has been for years. And of course, now just being older and everything, of course, he can't be the leading man that he once was. So I can't really fault him. I mean, you know, that 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 just naturally happens. But just even like the roles and some of the movie choices that he's made, he's been in a ton of just awful movies or just movies I didn't even know he -hmm. was in it until like after the fact or you you know different things like that and I did like him in The Irishman I mean I thought that The Irishman is a good is a very good film 
but uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say that he is the same Al Pacino that, that I remember from these gangster drama films like that. And I mean, Scarface, he's the angry, you know, Tony Montana was the angry mm-hmm. guy. And, uh, you know, he's angry and he's talking. Then, like, in the Godfather movies, that's who he was. You know, Corleone was, a, you know, there were those scenes where he's got to be angry and he's got to talk to you like this. And he does his little anger mm-hmm. stuff. Devil's Advocate, he was the angry Satan. I was about to say devil. Yeah, angry, <laughs> angry devil. Which, which honestly is probably the most uh, like accurate of his acting roles when it comes to him yelling all the time. Like, yeah. well, at least it's the devil. Yeah, at least it's the devil. <laughs> the, the devil, devil seems the devil would yell. He seems like a yeller. <laughs> yeah, but when I think about Al Pacino, I'm like, man, dude, like I, I like this guy based on the position that the director puts him in in these movies and everything like that. But man, like his acting range just doesn't seem like much when you really look at all these movies and the kind of character he's played anger and yelling and speaking in a high tone and kind of that pattern speech that he does is usually quintessential for whatever role he's playing and then even in this role of jimmy hoffa in the irishman there are scenes where that's what he's doing where he's angry and he's kind of doing his al pacino talk and things like that and i know actors have different mannerisms and quirks about them but i'm starting to wonder if he ever really had the range and the ability to do other characters that I ever gave him credit for. And so I have to put him on this list. And he was another actor where if I saw that Pacino was in it, I was like, oh, man, um, another movie with Pacino. Okay, I'm going to check this out. But now it has become one of those things where even before I go in, I know what I'm getting. When I saw him on The Irishman, I knew what I was going to get and what I... And, and and that's what I was wanting at the time because it had just been a while since I've seen a Scorsese gangster drama like that. Um, and I was right. The 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 performance I knew I was going to get was exactly what I got. So I think I have to put him in here as one of those actors that I used to just religiously follow and respect, and now not so much. I know mm-hmm. what I'm going to get, and I'm typically never wrong about that. <laughs> No, I definitely agree with you on a lot of that, too. And it's it's because, yeah, after, like, Scent of a Woman, I feel like all yeah. the subtlety he had was, like, gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, he became an Academy Award winner and all this other stuff were just essentially going, hoo <laughs> And then all of a sudden his career's changed and all this other stuff. And I think he just realized, like, I think a lot of it was in his head. He's just like, oh, if I'm just loud all the time or just yell some shit, people are going to love me. Yeah. You know? And, it, it, I mean, even right down to, like, Jack and Jill that he did with... Uh, Adam Sandler. <laughs> yeah. And shit like that. It's just, it was kind of the same thing. Yeah. Um, he does that movie, 88 Minutes. Oh, yeah. Where he's like a, a like a crime professor or some shit that apparently still gets it. Mm-hmm. He still gets it when he's like old as fuck. And you're really looking at him like, no, no, nobody's fucking you, dude. <laughs> Especially if you look yeah. like that and you're just a crime professor. <laughs> like you look like that and you're Al Pacino. Okay, sure. Like, yeah. You're going to get something. But... <laughs> You're you're not gonna pull like that. Like Jack like Nicholson. That. Yeah, you're not gonna pull like that. Being a crime professor, yeah. it's like something like you're looking at like like it's like if you look at Jack Nicholson, you're probably like, nah, he gets it. And then you're like, if you had like a 
econ professor that looked like Jack. That looked like Jack Nicholson. <laughs> you just be like, oh, he don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, and that's just that's just kind of seems what like his roles are though. Is he's doing that, and he has to like track down this killer and all this other stuff in eighty eight minutes, and like it's all this other stuff, and it's like the bullshit conceit of the movie is like an episode of twenty four or whatever. Like the movie is like ninety two minutes long because there's a little bit before and after the eighty eight minutes and shit like that. And he's like, yeah, I gotta solve the crime in eighty eight minutes or this or that, and it's like you know pictures of him like fucking his assistants and shit like that, and they're like, and he's like, oh no, he's in my head and like some bullshit like that, and. Yeah, it's it's got a five percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Good um, God, it's a garbage movie. But it's it's Al Pacino just running around as Al Pacino, but going, "I'm a crime professor. <laughs> I can solve crime and like shit like that." And like, I don't know why my Al Pacino is a weird mixture of Richard Nixon and just something else. Owen Wilson, maybe Owen Wilson and Richard Nixon. Wow, I, wow. <laughs> like it's Richard Nixon doing an Owen Wilson uh, impersonation. And that's my Al Pacino. <laughs> I like it. But it's it's just like that's all it is. It's it's him running around as Al Pacino going, I can solve crime. And and that's it. And and, and it's who the fuck wants to make that movie? Like I'm sure that they had I'm sure they had awful. I'm sure they had to get Al Pacino in order to make it. Because everybody's like, no, if you don't have a name. And they just went, Oh, we don't have anyone now. Al Pacino's like, I'll do it. And I'm really dedicating myself to this terrible impression of him. I am loving it. I need to stop it at some point, but he just completely sells himself on it. And he's just, it's so fucking bad. Same with, like I said, Jack and Jill. I mean, I know De Niro isn't making a lot of good choices lately, <laughs> but I'll at least say that he's trying some stuff. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, you could tell he was so serious and so physical and everything like that for so long that, yeah, he's wanting to do comedies. Yeah. Now and stuff like that. And yeah. you know, he wants to do like branch out like that. And I'm sure Pacino does too, but he just does it all wrong. Although I did like Insomnia. I didn't hate that movie. Insomnia was the last good thing he yeah. ever did. Yeah. And that was early 2000s, I think. And it was still Al Pacino running around going, I can't sleep, <laughs> but I'm going to solve crimes. And <laughs> like, that's all that movie was. The end. <laughs> but with fantastic performances from Robin Williams and everybody else in it, like mm-hmm. it's, it's a fantastic movie. I do like it. I think it's, it's directed by uh, uh, Christopher Nolan. Mm-hmm. Very fantastic movie. But it really is just him going, I can't sleep. <laughs> Gotta solve crime. <laughs> you know, that's that movie. Like, that's his portrayal. You just, you luck out because there's an awesome director in Christopher Nolan that's able to shape it. Yeah. And somehow, Robin Williams is the balancing force. Mm-hmm. Like, Robin Williams is the one that's like, oh, I can... And Hillary I'll, Swank. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'll act and I'll do good things and I'll balance out... He was Pacino great. just running around going, crime, <laughs> sleep, daylight. <laughs> yeah, Robin Williams was You're pretty solid at me in like it. You're looking you've never seen this movie. Have no, you not no, seen no, I have. No, I have. I'm just, just thinking about this stuff. But yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. That was good. I enjoyed that movie. I accidentally killed my partner. Sleep, crime, daylight. <laughs> Repeat. <laughs> and... But that was it. That was like that whole performance of him. And like I said, he had other people that were able to balance out his garbage. Mm. And that's why it worked. Yeah. Um, and you probably hate admitting that it was Robin Williams. <laughs> no, no. I, I've got no problem with Robin Williams as an actor. I have problems with Robin Williams doing anything else. Uh, <laughs> like giving an interview. No. No, I can't a, handle it. Being a cartoon voice. Yeah. Ever. Um, but, yeah, because it was, it was, like I said, he had somebody around him that was able to quell 
his normal acting instincts of stupidity. Mm. And not, gotcha. not stupid, yelling. Just yelling yeah, garbage. Yelling. You know, like devil's advocate where he's just like the look, but don't taste, taste, but don't touch, touch, but don't. Like, and you're just like, who the fuck actually delivers like a monologue like that? <laughs> like, and I know a lot of people accuse Keanu Reeves of being a wooden actor. And he can be sometimes. I think, you know, some of it's underratedness. I loved him in, in Bram Stoker's Dracula. And that's, no one should like that. I just, for whatever reason, love him in that role. I actually really liked him in Devil's Advocate. Well, and that's fine, yeah. Like, But I'm just saying, like, everybody says all that, but, like, that devil's speech moment is the most awkwardly delivered lines in that fucking movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, say what you will about Keanu Reeves' acting style. He made infinitely better choices in that movie <laughs> than fucking Al Pacino did. Because, I mean, if, like, maybe it's just me, it's but, like, argument. yeah, sure, the devil, he might be a little, you know, much of a yeller. But there's also, like, I picture the devil being, like, that smooth, like, silent, oh, you don't need to, like, yell all the time well, kind of Like, my thing. version, if you're yeah. going to portray the devil in something and you're going to have him be, like, in human form and, like, amongst people on Earth and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It better be someone I want to fuck. Like, he better make me want to fuck him. Because that's a good devil. Because the devil's supposed to be, like, tempting and... A master manipulator. Manipulator. So and you, you don't just... have to yell to do it. Like, it's the subtle, like, actually just talking talking things up. Maybe that's it. You know? Like, maybe that's all he needs to do. So, it just... I don't know. I, I think that wasn't a good choice either. Yeah, he always... I mean, even when you think about the like the stories in the Bible about the devil and everything like that, he did always strike me as like a very sly, sneaky, manipulative like a per- like person. And even when you just look at the devil's track record, like in the stories and everything, yeah. he always presents something that the individual would like, or he presents something that sounds on the surface, like something right. you would want or agree to. Like, you know, the whole thing with Eve. Oh, I'm a snake. And, oh, look at this fruit. Don't it's you okay. just want to, don't he you just want a piece of that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, like they it's say you don't have it, but they don't want you to have it because it's so good. Like, exactly. don't you want to, eat that don't you want to eat that fruit well, or like you know the um the, the 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 job character oh um i bet if i took i mean even in that situation god took the bet right like he he convinced god like he was like look man i'll take everything away from this guy just let me take everything and i bet anything that he won't mm-hmm. praise you in the end so like you know he the devil always struck me as someone who makes a good offer like, mm-hmm. hell, I mean, even God took his offer, he took the offer. Yeah, he's always manipulated. You know, there's very few in the Bible that didn't take the offer at first, you know, at least. So he always makes a good offer. So that guy would have to be a manipulator. That guy would have to come up as smooth or non-threatening, <laughs> or this guy would have to make an interesting case. Right. So is a yeller... Pacino man, is that going to make it? Does that make a good case? No. Well, even then, like, if you think about it, the whole point of like that scene and stuff in Devil's Devil's Advocate is he's trying to convince Keanu Reeves to fuck his sister, Charlize Theron. And like I said, if you don't want to fuck the devil, how is he going to trick you into wanting to fuck somebody else? (laughs) Like the the devil from Lucifer, the TV show Lucifer, fantastic devil. Why? Because I want to fuck him. He's sexy as shit, just smooth, you know. He, he's, he's got that, like, je ne sais quoi to him, you know. 
is that type of person. You could picture him as a manipulator, as a tempter, all yeah. this other stuff. Like, it really comes away like that, you know? And I understand if you're, like, having the devil in something else where it's like the, um, you know, like Constantine or something like that, where he's not really on earth trying to do stuff. He just kind of sits in hell and has demons do some shit. Mm -hmm. I understand if that devil is, I guess, like a yeller or something like that. That's fine. Yeah. But when you have the devil on earth trying to do shit. Yeah. It's got to be sexy. Yeah. Like, and I understand, even if you're not trying to make it sexy, you got to have that. you got to have that temptation that... Yeah. Like, what's your face? Um, Elizabeth Hurley. Yeah. <laughs> Bedazzled. Yeah, bedazzled. Yeah. Bedazzled. Yeah. You, yeah. You've got to have that element to it. Mm -hmm. And like I said, nobody wants to fuck <laughs> Al Pacino unless he's Al Pacino. <laughs> when you look like that, like, when you look at him and go, oh, you're the devil, couldn't have made yourself look better? Gonna get some of the major spots away? I mean, even like Jack Nicholson, who obviously, you know, only if he's Jack Nicholson is he smooth and whatever, but he would make a better devil. Because of the way he delivers lines and how he speaks. Yeah, and he would smile. Yeah. Yeah, that He'd smile. He'd be like, don't you just want to do this? You know, like, he would be way more convincing. Because there is something yeah. there is something slightly more charismatic about Jack Nicholson. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, whenever there's that whole thing of it was some award show or something like that, and he walks up behind Jennifer Lawrence, and she's, <laughs> yeah. like, surprised by him and all this other stuff, and he talked about um, something about making her a girlfriend of his or something like that, and then... She says something, and then he goes, like, oh, I thought about it. And then she's just like, oh. Yeah. And, like, I couldn't tell if it was a, like, a, oh, that's gross, oh, my God. But I slightly feel like it was a, what's the fuck? That's nice. <laughs> like, there's something nice about that still. But, like, it doesn't feel like that way with Al Pacino. Because I do legitimately feel like he might die <laughs> at any given point. He does a have. A frail devil. He, he does have a frailness to him. He just seems like a really frail old man that yells a lot. I mean, look at that man's hair. It's not okay. That's a frail man on death do death's doorstep kind of hair. Nobody looks like has that hairstyle and lives longer than five years. <laughs> I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just, no, I, I, I'm completely with you on that. Like, I haven't seen anything or have him be in anything that, like, I'm really just like, oh, yeah, Al Pacino's in this. It's going to be, like... A must-see type of thing. Yeah. I mean, and I've, I've, I've kind of felt like that for, I mean, I've felt like that probably longer than a lot of people because I didn't like Scarface. And I'm not trying to claim that I saw Scarface when it came out or anything. I was not born yet. But, like, when I was able to be exposed to Scarface or something like that, I was like, oh, I didn't like that. And, like, it's even, like, my, my dislike of Star, Scarface has been amplified because, like, so many people talk about how they love it. And... Like, they love him, and they love, you know, like, Scarface. And they're like, yeah, Scarface. And I'm like, the lesson of Scarface is if you do this shit, you die alone and sad and miserable. I'm like, what? <laughs> where's the hero in that? Like, it's bad. I understand, like, there's some machismo aspects to him, and he's like, you know, yeah, those aspects of it. But it's like, no, you die alone and miserable and forgotten by life. You know, I'm like, that's not, that's not, like, life goals. Yeah. <laughs> And like you said, I think that there's just a machismo about that character. And there's a very much of an I'm alpha mind and I'm going to get mine and start it from the bottom. Now we're here kind of shit. You know, it's just that yeah. stuff that people like they, they, they use that. And it's and there's a certain mentality that it promotes. And I guess that's uplifting or 
encouraging for some people. They feel like, well, he was a man who was about his and he went out and got his and he got that shit done, man. And that's what <laughs> I'm trying to do in my life. But it is. But but like you said, it didn't end well for him. And I do think that the lesson was supposed to be uh, don't live your life like this. But oddly enough, people draw some sort of inspiration. That's kind of what the Joker is now. You know, it's, it's that same kind of deal. I've seen yeah. memes and stuff with motivational quotes but it'll have Joaquin the Joaquin Phoenix. Phoenix Joker on it. And I'm like, <laughs> mm-hmm. those, what? Like, exactly. I did not get that vibe from watching the Joker movie, but I, I guess apparently people did because there were several, because I saw that meme and several people liked it and acted like, oh yeah, that's an encouraging meme. And I'm like, but the Joker, like, that's not well, what go- this guy should be representing. It goes back to what you said when we did that podcast. They did not put a good point of demarcation of saying, this guy's a villain. Yeah. That movie 100%, no matter what they say, that movie 100% portrays that fucker as a hero. Yeah. To an entire city. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, when you do that, it doesn't matter what he does or, like, anything like that. He's a hero of that movie. Mm -hmm. So people are just going to go, fuck it. He's my hero then, too. Yep. And no point should that ever have been what it is. And I know, like, the people, whoever makes the movie, they can come out and they can say whatever the fuck they want. Guess what? Your movie fucking doesn't do it. Your fucking movie Mm -hmm. makes the fucker a hero, regardless of whatever you wanted or did or anything like that. Um, But yeah, no, just, I, I, I am right there with you on Al Pacino. And it's just like, even like you said, when you see him now in The Irishman and stuff like that, it's not, you know, it's not what, uh, what, dog days? Yeah. Like, it's not that Al Pacino. Yeah. Dog day afternoon. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's not that Al Pacino. Yeah. Wasn't he also in like Serpico or something like that? Mm. You know, it's not that Al Pacino anymore. Yeah. It's all you get is him yelling some shit. And if it's anything other than like a crime drama, like an Irishman or something like that, all you're going to get is him yelling a lot and just randomly getting laid by chicks he shouldn't be getting laid by. <laughs> and that's every movie he does now. Or him wanting to apparently fuck Adam Sandler in bad prosthetic makeup. So, fun. Anything else, guys, on this one? Nope. Good. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Simulators Podcast. Check us out at www.cinemaslayers.com. Check us out at Cinemaslayers Podcast on Facebook, Cinema underscore Slayers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, if you have any more topics like this, uh, let us know. I mean, we do like doing things like this. If you have uh, any examples of something like this that you want to let us know about, uh, send a message, email, put it on Facebook. Hit us up, let us know. Um, also, if you guys can leave us a rating and review, we do appreciate that. Appreciate Apparently, I fucking don't know how I'm speaking. We'd appreciate that. Um, unless it's under five stars, then don't do it. Just tell us we suck. Please don't. <laughs> Just message us and tell us we suck. Don't don't leave an under five-star review. I mean, unless you really want to, but we'd rather you just message us directly and just tell us we suck instead of leaving a bad review. Um, recommend it to your friends. Just anything like that, guys. Um, you have any thoughts, comments, questions, anything like that, hit us up on, you know, like I said, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you can email us, uh, email us at uh, at gmail.com. Uh, but other than that, guys, remember, according to Justin, Moon Knight is the best picture winner. Uh, I'm Al Pacino, and I'm yelling because that's what I do. And you need to watch my movies because I'm going to yell.